Uh, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Uh, what a joy it's been already to hear the gospel again and again and again. Gospel of Christ. And to consider uh, the fact that although we were poor, uh, poor, vile, and helpless, God brought us salvation through that spotless Lamb of God. Um, this morning, uh, for the preaching time, we're going to continue our attention uh, to Titus chapter 2, uh, this time uh, looking at verses 6 through 10. Uh, in this section, Paul gives uh, a series of household instructions for Titus and for the uh, early churches on the island of Crete. Paul's giving Titus instructions for ways that the believers are entrusted uh, to his care should live, and these are in accordance with sound doctrine. This is what sound doctrine should look like in the lives of people who've been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week, we had a bit of a controversial start in Titus 2, verses 1 through 5. If you remember, and if you were here last week, we considered different cultural definitions uh, of things related to gender, definitions of men and women, and things like that. And then we looked quickly to the Scripture. And we noticed that Titus's words in Scripture uh, run counterculture. Um, they, uh, although that is the case, we also made the point that our authority must not be everything that we see, everything that we hear, perhaps even what we might feel ourselves, but it must be the Word of God. So last week we looked at older men. We started with them. Older men are to be sober-minded, self-controlled, dignified, and sound in faith, hope, and love. Older women, the text says, are to be reverent in their behavior. Behavior. They're not to be slanderers or accusers, literally a word that's used often of the devil. They're not to be devilish in their speech. They're not to be enslaved to wine, and they're to teach young women. Young women should love their husbands and children. They should be self-controlled, pure, good workers at home, uh, literally good managers of the household, and submissive to their own husbands. Today, we get to talk about young men, and I noticed a lot of the women in the church have showed up uh, ready to take notes on this category. They're ready. Finally, the young men are going to get it uh, here today. Uh, and so uh, what I'd like to do uh, is uh, consider what he has to say to young men in Titus 2, 6 through 8, and, and then also his advice to household slaves uh, on the island of Crete in verses 9 and 10. Let's start by reading through Titus 2 again. I'll read it out loud. You follow along. It says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. 
to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters. In everything they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. The first group we'll look at this morning is young men. And if you're paying attention um, in the text, in verse 6, you'll notice that there's really just one verse directly addressed to young men. And so our women here all think today in their heart, what? One verse? Is that all? It better be a good one, right? Better be a good one. Well, I'll just tell you, relax a bit. Uh, It seems to me that Paul puts Titus in the category of young man as well. And so what he has to say to Titus in verses 7 and 8 is directly for the spiritual benefit of young men uh, as well uh, in the church. And so there's really verses 6 through 8 that I would see especially targeted toward young men and Titus's ministry to them. So we start with that, that one verse, clearly in verse 6, that Titus calls the younger men to be self-controlled. Again, just helping us understand his target audience here. Uh, in this context, young men is probably a title that refers to men who are mid-teenagers. Uh, so, you know, 13, 14, 15, or teenagers, up to 40. Okay, so... Um, Sadly, I no longer fit that category. Uh, but uh, teens to 40. And so if you find yourself in that position here today, pay very close attention to the scripture. All of us should, so we can help our brothers in this age range demonstrate what God wants them to in their walk with him. And so uh, the challenge here is to be self-controlled. Now, self-controlled is a requirement that we have seen of other people already in the household code. This same word was used of older men and young women. They're to be self-controlled. One of the observations I would get from that is this is not just a young man thing. It's also true of older men focusing on being self-controlled. Well, what does that mean? To be self-controlled means to gain a mastery over our own appetites and desires. 
Of course, this is only possible for a believer in Jesus Christ through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must energize us to do this, but we have a responsibility to cooperate with the Spirit when it comes to sanctification and young men to gain a mastery over our own appetites and desires. Young men might at times lack restraint. This is true, of course, of all young men, perhaps especially true of unbelievers. Young men are normally filled with vigor and vitality. They have strength and power, right? But, but sometimes they lack the restraint that life experience and wisdom teach. Yet Paul calls them to a level-headed, self-disciplined life. Young men, that's your call. Level-headed, self-disciplined life. Thoughtful self-control that says no to different lusts and desires. These kind of young men, these spiritual young men, aren't prone to react to impulse and stimuli. They don't chase after everything that looks good for for them. They're not living for the next party where they can enjoy sinful indulgences. Instead, they live thoughtfully under control for the glory of God. And if a young man cannot learn these lessons, then he will be unable to fulfill God's vision for biblical manhood in their life and in the church. Okay, so let's just let me take a pastoral moment here to encourage young men in particular. Young men, I'm sure naturally you don't wake up in the morning thinking, how can I be thoughtful and self-controlled today? Um, I don't know that I've ever thought that, and I'm far from a young man at this point. Now, uh, we might think, how can I have fun today? Um, Our goal might be to play for as long as we can and to put off working for as long as we can. And unfortunately, that sort of approach is tolerated and applauded of young men in our culture today. Of course, uh, there are all kinds of study about this in America today that we prolong adolescence. And we do so for young men so that they can play and party until they're in their 40s. Still have the privilege of living in their parents' basement. Uh, Then they um, decide to go to grad school so that they can party and play a little bit longer, extend it more. Instead, God instructs young men to pursue thoughtful, self-controlled lives. Okay, so to young men, I say be a different kind of man in our culture. A man who glorifies God. A man who determines day by day through the power of the Spirit to live thoughtfully and under control for the glory of God. Now, Paul keeps the focus on young men by describing how Titus is to be an example for them. So, Uh, That example is found in verses 7 and 8. I want to read it again. It's been a while since we've seen that. Look at verse 7. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. I think this is Paul to Titus. This is how he's supposed to be an example to them. A model of good works. And in your teaching, show, demonstrate, integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of us. This text starts by saying Titus is to be a model or a pattern 
uh, of something important, of good works. And if you remember when we first looked at Titus, in the introductory sermon, I said that good works is a theme of this book, right? It's, it's occurring here and it's occurring over and over again. Uh, so that in Titus, Paul is calling Titus himself, he's calling all people, he's calling bond servants, he's, he's calling uh, different people in the church to demonstrate good works. There's actually a, a double call to good works at the end of the book in Titus 3, verse 8 and verse 14. And I would draw your attention to Titus 3, 14 for a moment to help us know more of what good works are. Titus 3, 14. Paul says, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. And I think that that's a really helpful verse for us to understand a little bit more of what Paul has in mind by good works because the end of that, so as to help people uh, with their urgent needs, okay? And so what Paul is Titus, calling Titus to do here is he's supposed to be a model, an example of using his strength, vitality, and giftedness to minister to other people in the church of God who have needs. Okay, and one of the reasons Titus is to do this in an exemplary fashion is so that young men would also learn how they can do this. Okay, unfortunately, again, I think we live in a culture where that might not be what we first think of when we think of teenage men or collegiate men or young married men where they're thoughtfully looking for urgent needs in the church and culture and they're using the God-given strength that they possess to meet those needs. And so again, as a pastor to you young men, I would say be a different type of man. Be a type of man who doesn't wait for others to step up and to minister to people. Be a young man committed to do good works, committed to fill urgent need. You can be a teenager and you can see, you can see a physical need in the body and no one has to tell you. You can see it, you can step in and you can be a part of solving that. If you have any questions about how to do that, take another man with you. Ask a man uh, to join you and ministering and serving that way. So Titus is to be an example like that, physically, with exemplary Christian behavior. But uh, in verse 7, Titus is also supposed to minister to young men through his teaching. Such teaching should show or demonstrate three things. First, you should show the importance of integrity when you're teaching young men. Integrity or could be translated Purity. Purity is an important quality to communicate to young men who face their greatest temptations in their youth. I think it's uh, basically the way life works that temptations are often stronger in our youth. Lusts are stronger. And in our world today, the sort of culture in which we live, fighting these temptations is not easy. We have access to all kinds of temptation through smartphones, through computers. 
And uh, even when we put safeguards up and have accountability partners, sometimes immoral and suggestive pictures and videos seep through, seep through our lives uh, through reels or pictures on social media. Yet God calls young men through Titus and his teaching to purity. This is non-negotiable for us. Titus is to demonstrate the value of integrity or purity for the church of God. And uh, as a young man, I would uh, challenge you, challenge you, you, you've got to learn to avoid these things, pursue Christ. Um, he's also to demonstrate dignity. This means reverence in his teaching. When Titus teaches young men, they must get a sense that he knows what he's dealing with. He is dealing with the holy word of God, inspired and inerrant. And that's what we're dealing with today as well. Sometimes I hear young preachers boast of their ability to relate or to connect with young audiences. And I suppose there could be something good about that. However, what's far more important for a young preacher is to teach God's word with dignity and reverence the young men so that they see the dignity of following Christ and his word. Titus is also to teach in such a way that he demonstrates sound speech that cannot be condemned. He is to use whole or healthy words that are beyond reproach so that there can be no critic to the gospel or the word of God. I think the effect of all these things for Titus who I believe is also a young man, is uh, that he is to be an influencer. Okay, Maybe not through or the way we would think of influencing today, through social media, but he is to be an influencer through teaching and behavior. He is to teach or influence young men visually and verbally through example and teaching. I think Paul realizes that as a young man, Titus has a special opportunity and responsibility to minister to young men in this way. And he's to do so as well, that that, that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. As Titus lives this ordinary life of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and teaches with reverence and dignity and sound speech, it will demonstrate the integrity of the message of Jesus Christ itself. So Paul reminds Titus that his commitments and his behavior have greater purposes. And so as we uh, close out this section, I would just say one more time to our young men, this is not something that you're going to learn in school. This is not something you'll learn in college. This is not something you'll learn in the workplace. The godless education of our culture in our schooling and in the School of Hard Knocks, the workplace, cuts against this. But this is God's call to you to be self-controlled, dignified, pure, and sound in your speech so that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, in verses 9 and 10, he's got a section here about bond bond servants. He, He turns to household slaves. I want to read these with you and make just a few observations. 
Verse 9. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing. Not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Verses 9 and 10 as a preacher, it's kind of hard to know exactly what to do with these two verses. Because, uh, by God's goodness and grace, this is not a sort of position that is any longer present in modern households. Um, So what we're going to do today, though, is we're going to consider these, look at them, and see what we can learn. Now, although the ancient slave might not have been subjected to the worst forms of abuse that other slaves in different times and eras and places experienced, it is obvious as you study and you learn about them that they experienced difficulties and challenges as being the one with the fewest rights in the home. Perhaps uh, on par with the children in some cases, but... But uh, Paul tells them as the, the, the most disadvantaged in the home that their life is still very important. And actually their life can glorify God and adorn the gospel of God our Savior, perhaps even in greater capacity than others. So he tells them here they're to be submissive to their masters. In everything they are to be well-pleasing. I, I think that's how I take the in everything. I disagree with the ESV a little bit there in the punctuation. ESV says that there would be submissive in everything. I don't think that's the point that Paul's making. A slave is to submit to his master in that culture uh, as long as it doesn't mean disobeying God. So it's not in everything. But in everything, they're to be well-pleasing. And that phrase, it's interesting to me that when Paul uses well-pleasing in other texts regarding the household slave, it's, also, it's always about being well-pleasing to God, not to the master. Okay, so that's the way I take it here as well. They're to be submissive to their masters in everything. They're to be well-pleasing to God. They're not to be arguing with their masters. They're not to steal from them. That's what pilfering means, in case you were wondering. Not to be stealing from them. And then they're told to do this so that they might adorn the doctrine and teaching of Jesus. That is, their behavior will make the teaching about Jesus attractive to other people in the culture. I think it's a general principle that we would all recognize that our lives as followers of Jesus Christ may um, credit or discredit the gospel that we believe. May bring credit or discredit to the gospel that we believe. And so with the household slaves, this kind of honest, gracious, kind and submissive living by disadvantaged Christian makes the teaching of Jesus beautiful and attractive to other people. I am sure that this sort of commitment to godly living, honoring God and his gospel from a slave in the first century would have been a powerful demonstration of how the gospel can enable us to live differently than others in our culture. And so this is God's plan for the household. This is, men and women, we love to talk about the text of Scripture here at Colonial. We go through it verse by verse. We hopefully love sound doctrine, but in the last two weeks we've seen this is what sound doctrine looks like in our home. This is what 
it looks like in our lives. And so what I'd like to do in our sermon today, I would like to close in a word of prayer. And I would like to ask you to consider the part of the biblical text that God has given to you. You know where you fit or maybe about where you would fit in this passage. I would ask you to consider this biblical text and ask God for grace and strength. For some of us, it will mean in this moment that we privately confess sin to him. Ways in which we're following the course of this world instead of following the word of our God. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As you bow your head and close your eyes, I invite you to pray to God and ask him for strength to be an older man, to be an older woman, to be a younger woman, to be an older man or younger man who glorifies God. And as you do that, I'll simply read through these descriptions one more time. Older men. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. Older women. Older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good and train the young women. Young women are to love their husbands and children. They're to be self-controlled, pure, good workers at home, submissive to their own husbands. Younger men. Younger men are to be self-controlled, model of good works, They should show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we delight in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, as each one considers our lives and our home, I'm sure among my brothers and sisters here today, there's conviction There can be discouragement in our failure. But, Lord, we are so grateful that we stand in Jesus and his righteousness alone. It's not my performance. It's not my action that can bring your favor. It it actually does the exact opposite. But it's Jesus in us, living through us in these ways that can make it so that the word of God is not reviled. That can make it so that no opponent would be able to stand against us, that they would be put to shame. And so that in everything, we would adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Lord, enable us. Strengthen, especially today, young men. Lord, give them eyes to see. 
open their eyes to behold that God has a high calling for them. And in that calling, give them strength to fight, fight the impulses of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lord, help them stand before you with purity and integrity. God, if statistics, if statistics are anywhere close, when it comes to thing, things like purity, statistical studies, Lord, then I know that many young men in our assembly struggle. And so help them rise above this through the power of the Spirit. Help them live with integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. May they be a model of good works, urging and using their gifts to help other people. May they be self-controlled. And we pray that, that when you do this in their lives, it would bring all glory to you, nothing to ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.